This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world, join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. Joining us today is Marianne Pruitt, the CEO and President of Mosaic Media, a collection of media buying experts and creative strategists who negotiate, purchase, and monitor advertising space and airtime. She's here today to share some marketing wisdom gleaned from her extensive career in media strategy and how it relates to the ever-evolving climate of media. Thanks so much for being here today, Marianne. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. I am too. And we're going to be talking about generational marketing, which uh, probably wasn't a thing 20 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the truth? It's funny how history has changed quite a few things. We're living longer. Um, It's amazing how our generational makeup is changing. And for the first time in American work history, we have five working generations with expendable cash. So our marketing and our media plans have to to adjust and have to evolve. Exactly. I know. It it is so amazing. So um, let's talk about that. Talk to me about um, how the generations differ with media consumption. Yeah, so the you have every different group of generation, right? And this is nothing new to marketers. This is nothing new that you know we have our demographics that we look at um, and how we target and look at audiences. Um, but a big caveat now is we're no longer looking at demographics only. We have to look at the individual persona and how we're going to target them because of the consumption habits that that have changed and ha- have taken place. Um, our, the pandemic definitely shifted new habits, not just changes in, in our consumption, but new habits that have taken place. I have multiple theories on why um, it, they really developed into habits as opposed to just, okay, here's a bump in overconsumption of online video and things like that. Uh, they really turned into habits in each generation. So, you know, you have your traditionalist generation, which is our older generation who is, you know, 75 plus, and they are in the generation of they're still there. Most of them are retired, but have quote side projects that they work on <laughs> America. You know, we don't retire like we used to, we don't get the golden watch and be done. 
Um, my father, who is 79, uh, I love to use him as this example. He retired after 55 years in education. Wow. And the next week calls me, I kid you not, Diane, calls me and says, hey, I got a, I got a little project. And I was like, what's your project? He's like, I'm going to go help a private school. And I was like, as what? He's like, you know, the principal and the superintendent. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not a project. That's a full-time job. But he, to him, that's a project because it's not the stress of all of the responsibility that he's had for the last 55 years. <laughs> it's a fun um, project that he gets to do what he loves. Yeah. Like he does, it doesn't need it financially. He's doing it because he loves it. And that's the, that's the difference of what we're seeing in the generation. So that's why our older generations are still working. Um, our older generations, boomers and traditionalists, we saw a consumption for breaking down the habits of what we saw in evolution from the pandemic, an online evolution that probably would have never happened in their lifetime. Uh, social media evolution that probably would have never happened in their lifetime, if not like another 10 years. It literally happened overnight where they went from, I'm not online, I and mean, they're online using it as a tool, but they yeah. were on no social media platforms. They were on no streaming. They weren't on that at all. And overnight, literally an evolution that would have taken forever and 10 years plus overnight changed and they were on social media in record numbers and huge numbers. And it hasn't changed. They're still there. That's how they learned to, that's how they could then communicate with their families. Because remember our older generation was affected by the most of saying, you can't, yeah. you can't be around people. Yeah. And um, that's how they stay connected. That's how that became their social outlet where this is a more, these are more social gener generations that love to be around people. And that has changed and stayed. They are on social platforms like no, no other. They are there. I mean, again, back to my father's example, I see my kids now convincing my dad to get Snapchat. And I'm like, why, why does he need <laughs> Snapchat? Well, they, he talks to us on Snapchat. Like in that, that family adjustment that took place has happened and we can't ignore that our older generations are online more than they ever were. Um, when it comes to our Gen Xers and our millennials and Gen Zs, Gen Z slash digi generation, it depends on how you want to call them. But when it comes to those, um, the online consumption, you know, we were already there, especially Gen Xers and older millennials. Um, yeah. But we, our volume just went through the roof, right? So we started to consume it at a record high. We had more cord cutting and Gen Xers than we had had before. We had more cord cutting in those older millennials. And the other thing that's, to me, I find the most fascinating is our younger generations and our oldest generations. That's where we saw the biggest change in the difference. Our oldest generation went online where they had never been before for social outlet, but our younger generations went back to traditional platforms as if they were new platforms. So all of a sudden mail became very intriguing. All of a sudden local TV and local radio became very intriguing as if it was new information that they had never seen. And they may have consumed it in a new way um, through an app or through streaming audio or through other things, but it was local radio, it was local TV. And what my theory in that is, is that they really wanted to know what was going on in their town. And oh. so you know, what was happening there and what, what information can I glean locally? I need to know what the counts are because if you look at the younger generation, they really cared about taking care of the older generation. 
and making sure that they were safe and healthy. And in that, you know, I look at what my kids who are in that Gen Z digi generation and all of a sudden they cared about local radio and local TV, which was like, why, why do you care? Well, we want to know what the counts are. We want to know what's going on in our town. We want to know when, you know, is school going to come back on? They paid attention to these things locally um, and local became very important to those younger generations. So a lot changed during the pandemic. It's very fascinating. Um, and, you know, again, lots of theories of what really made the psyche and the brain really change and shift, but each generation had a different response. That is fascinating. I could talk about it all day if you <laughs> if you, you haven't caught on to that. <laughs> well, let's shift it just a smidge and yeah. talk about what business owners can do about that because yeah. we have to meet the moment, right? We do. And if we're not evolving, then we die, right? Like that's what business is. And you know, my I, I always say this, I quote my father on this one a lot. He said he used to tell me when I was a kid, if you stop learning, you die. And I my I father at, used to say the same thing. Really? Yeah. Yes. It, it's true though. It is very true. And as a business and as businesses, if we are not evolving, we we will die as a business. We will not continue. We have to constantly be adapting to what is going on. And um, so a key thing of that, of how can businesses, what can businesses do? The things that, and I'm going to use some terms that sometimes, you know, get some businesses confused on what it is, but okay. if you're not looking at programmatic media buying, you're missing the boat. You need to be looking at programmatic. Programmatic is a targeting tool that you are using to target specific personas, specific individuals in specific areas. Um, this is not a social platform. This is not Google. This is not a uh, Google is one data set. If you're working with a partner, like we're a partner, we're a direct seat on a DSP, find a partner that's a direct seat on a DSP that you are able to bid for that impression of the individual that you are trying to target. Um, what's exciting about it is actually, Diane, we have more data available to us than we ever had before. And so we should utilize this. This is actually a time where when we have the most options, where it could seem overwhelming, it actually is the best time for us to start targeting. If in, you know, when I started my career 20 plus years ago in media, it was, you can only pick your demographic. And I wanted to target women 25 to 54 years old. I can't target that 25 year old the same way I do that 54 year old. And I should have never really been doing it that way. No mm. one should have been, but now we have the opportunity to really break these down into segments of not just by age, but what are your interests? What are your beliefs? Where do you live? Um, what are your hobbies and really get to know that customer. So the number one thing that marketers and businesses need to do is get to know your customer. And I know that sounds very, you know, elementary, but really, truly get to know them and then dig in and get to know them just a little bit more, get to know what their interests are. And you will start to find common threads in the data of, of the, of all of your customers. That's interesting. So look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously. And six, one, since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. 
This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. All right, this is going to sound like a really elementary question. But I, love, I love questions. I love them. Excellent. <laughs> so uh, how do you find out everything you can about your customer? So we start collecting information on customers. I don't, if you are brick and mortar, if you're e-commerce, if you're whatever it is that you're doing, find ways to collect information, collect data. Every point of information on our customers is a data point, whether, you know, you're collecting their phone number, whether you're collecting their address, whether you're collecting their name, um, you'll start to see patterns. If you're a brick and mortar and you start with a loyalty program, start with something, if you're a small mom and pop type of shop, um, come, come up with something that they will want to give you their information. And then, but if you're e-commerce making, make sure that you're putting tags on your and conversion uh, tracking on your ads, making, make sure that you're collecting the information. If you have an ad out there, make sure that it is converting back to in tracking for where that information is going, have them fill out a form, have them fill out something so that you're collecting that information. And as you start to collect this information and as you start to put things into the database formats and as you start to see things, you will realize and identify, hey, there's some patterns here. We're starting to recognize that this certain customer segment is actually who's shopping with us. We're starting to recognize, okay, this is, we have a very specific group of individuals that like our product or that like our store or that like, you know, whatever it is that we sell service. And in that, we will start to see those individual patterns. We will start to be able to identify what that looks like and be able to then build that audience format and build that, um, that audience that then we can target. Okay. Um, I love that. And, and it sounds like what people need to realize is they're going to have to make the investment of data gathering Yeah. for, right. They just can't throw in it at the wall. In today's world, if you want your ad money to be spent correctly, you can't guess, you have to start getting to know your customer. And if you're a small mom and pop shop, it really can be one of those things that you can get to know your customer and having conversations. Let's say you're a small service consultancy. You can do the same thing. Get to know your customers as individuals. Um, actually, sometimes you would think the bigger the brand, the easier it is to figure out who your customer is. Sometimes the bigger the brand, you start to get lost in, well, everybody's our customer. Well, in reality, no, who's your ideal customer that you mm. wanna have continue to purchase? And it doesn't matter, you know, whether you're a gigantic brand or a small brand, if you are not getting to know that customer, you are throwing and wasting money somehow. There's no, yeah. there's no way you're not, you have to get to know them and build your media plans around who your customer is and not guessing anymore. And that's the, the you know, and that's the importance of knowing, having a partner that knows that and understands that in today's world. You know, the smaller the shop, even the big shops too, you'll have a TV rep come in, a radio rep come in. Um, they'll try to tell you, okay, yeah, no, this is what you need to be on. They have a bias. They're trying to sell you on the bias that they have um, because of mm -hmm. what they represent. 
Now you have these TV and radio reps selling you digital, trying to sell you programmatic. That is not the way to buy digital and programmatic. You want to find a partner that is going to be able to put that plan together for you in a strategy format to be able to, and there's, there's lots of partners out there that you can then identify, okay, this is my customer and this is the strategy to reach that customer. I see. Okay. So if I'm a small business owner and I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, okay, I hear everything that you're saying, but how do I vet them? Yeah. Because a lot of these companies, you know, I mean, they tell a really good story, but they how really do, I do. Yes. And unfortunately, in today's world, I like to think that most media vendors are good and goodwill people. And I know that there are some great ones out there and it's hard, but I'm telling you, I, it, every year I inherit, we, we as a company inherit another horror story of a media vendor. That. And it always happens. Um, and how do you vet them? So if they work for a specific media group that only represents a group of stations, I'm not saying that they can't provide good stuff for you, um, but know that there's a bias. They're going to try to sell you on what they their product is that they're going to make the money on. Um, outside of that, find find an agency that is a media agency for where you're going to and actually look at the difference between a partner and just a salesperson. And that's where you're going to find that media partnership, um, you know, a firm like what we do is partner with you. That's a partnership. And there's multiples that do this. How do you vet the questions that you need to ask when it comes to programmatic? The first question you need to ask is, are you a direct seat on a DSP? If you're not a direct seat on a DSP, and this is for programmatic specifically and for digital, if they're not a direct seat on a DSP, then start looking for a partner that does or demand that they start finding someone that they work with. That's a direct seat on a DSP and a mm. DSP is a demand side platform. It is the trade desk that you are bidding on these impressions on. And if you don't have a direct seat, you have multiple layers of fees that go into it. Um, if there's not a direct seat now, and if that's the first question that you want to ask. Are you a direct seat? If they're not a direct seat, will you find a partner that's a direct seat and work with people on that? Um, that is something we got into early. We became a direct seat early. Um, I know not everybody has been had the chance to do that. It's a huge investment to become a big a direct seat, but it provides for our clients the best of both worlds where you truly can have the customization as if the team is in-house but yet you don't have to take on that investment yourself of being able to make, make that DSP, that direct seat right there in house. Right. So it's a very important piece there. Um, qualifications, what kind of data sets are you looking at? Who are you able to target? Dig in, ask them the questions. What are they doing? Can they provide tags for conversion tracking? You want to be able to ask these questions to look at qualifications outside of it because I will tell you this, the unfortunate, the bad players love to make programmatic confusing. Programmatic is mm. not confusing. Programmatic, it's it's a specialty and not just anybody can do it, but it doesn't mean the programmatic itself has to be confusing. And what programmatic really is, when I started in my career, you would send out an RFP. I'd send you a rate card. I'd send you a rate. I'd send you a proposal based on that. You as a brand would send that RFP. I'd send you a proposal and that's what you would go with. Now in today's world, it skips that process. 
and I'm bidding on the impression on that website as opposed to getting a rate card, as opposed to getting the RFP and rates directly from the reps. I am bidding on the impression of that site. And it takes the middleman out. It makes it easier. It makes it easier also. And it makes it more cost-effective in targeting your right audiences. That's all programmatic is. It's not as confusing as people love to make it sound. <laughs> I think they like to make it confusing so that they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I have to use you because it's confusing. It's right. really not, not that confusing. <laughs> Plus, then you don't know whether they're, they, you know, it's all that jargon and you don't know. Well, and that's it. And it. I, unfortunately, I think that's the case that vendors um, want that confusion there so that you feel like you constantly need them. And in reality is find a good trusted partner that takes the confusion out, that is able to help you in that process of developing your plan, showing you good reporting. Always, that's the other question to always ask, what reporting do I have access to? Can I change the KPIs based off of what I want to look at in the campaign? Um, can I adjust it? Do I have an individual login? Do I have, can I change date ranges? What are things that I can do um, to be able to see information on, on my account? And those are the things, unfortunately, mm -hmm. trying to make it more confusing is not is not the right way to go. We actually should yeah. be more transparent with our clients of what's happening and you know what's happening with their money it's their money right so yeah and that's that's the unfortunate situation but you know there are very there are a lot of good you know there's a handful of good quality partners out there and find those find those and work with them if you ever if anyone ever wants a referral on it or anything that's a good fit i'm always the type of person that's up for a conversation to help people find what they need yeah that that's awesome cuz you know I think a lot of small business owners just think this is stuff I don't understand. So they avoid it instead of yes. trying to find someone who does understand it. And then once you adapt, then it's too late. Yeah. Right. And that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yep. So part of what I'm hearing though, is that traditional media isn't dead. It just depends on your audience. Right. And traditional media has its strengths. So each, the key thing with a, a good media plan and a good media strategy is knowing that audience and then playing to the strengths of each tactic of where that audience is going to be. So um, I'll take television for an example. Live okay. television is where TV has its strength. So local news and live sporting events, live events, that's where the strength is. But Diane, the way I consume it might be a little different than I was consuming it before. And that's where um, I might consume it streaming. So mm -hmm. I need to look at an OTT platform, which is programmatic and bidding it that way. Or I also can still go through the traditional routes of it. So traditional television is not dead. Just use it to its strengths, using it local news, using it when it comes to live live events. Um, same thing with, uh, like I mentioned, with local radio. Local radio became a, um, a very important piece during the pandemic for people to find information and to understand information. And, you know, you have, I, I laugh because I look at my 12-year-old uh, son who during the pandemic, he's, I mean, we're talking really young, and his older brother got his license during the pandemic during this time frame. All of a sudden, one day we're driving and my son says, hey, turn on this radio station. And my husband and I look at each other and we're like, that's like kids don't listen to the radio anymore. But that's also the radio station that we used to listen to when we were in high school. And we're like, 
what? And you're like, yeah, they have this contest going on right now. And I'm like, it's the same contest. I kid you not of 30 plus years ago, (laughs) but to them, it's new and they're Mm -hmm. consuming it as if it's new and they may consume it through the app. They may consume it in a streaming audio platform, but they are consuming that local station that you're going to be able to buy local ads on. And so knowing where the strengths are of each traditional piece is there out, out of home. That's a traditional um, buying system, we can now programmatically buy out of home. Uh, that's something to think about. So it's a traditional tactic, but with a modern day way of being able to bid the product. Um, print, that's another thing as well. Um, more on the mail side that you want to look at than, you know, there's still, we still had actually a comeback of reading materials that happened during the pandemic as well. We had magazines that were dying left and right. And then all of a sudden they were revived during the pandemic because people had nothing to do. And it's changed that, that behavior for us. That's fascinating. It's one of those Um, things. And what's, A key thing, I have my main theory of now of how these have happened to change to habits is our consumption of media increase. So in in American history and frankly, globally, anytime there is something that is catastrophic that takes place, there's always a consumption and overconsumption of media. And there we see spikes in this and we've seen this through various tragic things that have taken place in 9-11 we saw an overconsumption of uh, morning news take place and that was because they, uh, americans wanted to know that the world that they went to bed to is the world they're waking up to so we saw that spike what we saw during the pandemic that made it different is that it lasted so long that we had an overconsumption of media for an extremely long time And we have never decreased that. We've stayed at those high levels. So that dopamine, that information gathering, that's what we do to survive as humans is we gather information. We gather information. How do I gather information? And now we're at an all-time high of consumption that never decreased. We saw very minimal forms of decrease. And those habits have created now that we are over-consuming media and we are over-consuming in multiple platforms. So building that media strategy and that media plan is so important. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm so thrilled that we're having this conversation because when you say it, I, I completely get it. And, and I don't think I realized that this was a change that has not changed back, you know, it's, right. it's not really diminished. So we have to look at it and say, okay, well, then this is the way things are for now. Right. And think about it as business owners. Um, we are even at a higher level of survival in that, especially yeah. the smaller the business, large brands too. We work with v- extremely large brands, well-known household names to the small mom and pops. And it, everybody felt it in a different way, but we all we as business people did overconsume the media as well. Thinking of our own world, we had we overconsumed to survive with our companies and with our businesses. But then we also started to overconsume in entertainment because we needed a break from the overconsumption and survival. Uh, and overall, our brains now are we have created those habits of survival. And long term, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But 
right now, those are our habits. Those are our habits. We overconsume, and that decrease just hasn't taken place. But it also, I mean, the great news for businesses is that we, our media plans first is the most important time to have the most structured strategic plan that you possibly can have. But it's also the biggest opportunity that we have to target our audiences because they are consuming the media and we can find them wherever they are. We have data on them. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so it's the old and the new together. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And we just have to adapt and evolve ourselves as businesses, making sure yes. that we're not missing this train to get on it. Yes, 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 exactly so, which is why you're here. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm happy to help. <laughs> I know you are. Uh, and I so appreciate this information and, and you spending this time with me. Will you um, let the listeners know how they can find you and, and whatever you think they should know? Absolutely. Look me up on LinkedIn, Marianne Pruitt, Mosaic Media. Um, I do a lot of connection on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to help. You can also find me on Twitter at Media Maps. And then um, if you want to get directly a hold of me, if you go to mosaic.agency forward slash contact, that comes directly to my email. Um, I'm happy to always have a conversation. If you ever have questions about media, pick my brain. I'm all for it. If you're looking for a good media partner and media vendor that can help you, I am happy to help you point you in the right direction of who could be a good fit. Excellent. Thank you so much for providing us with this information and, and sharing this time with us, as I said. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about, and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.